morning, good afternoon, or good evening, listeners, and welcome back to the latest installment of MBM's M&A Snack and Chat podcast. I'm Brian Shaw, corporate partner in MBM's London office, and I'm joined, as always, by my colleague, Caroline Urban. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Brian. Hi, everyone. So just a quick recap for those new to the show. So we catch up here with past and present clients or advisors in the M&A space. It's light, fresh, informative, and of course, entertaining. Usually we wrap up in 20 minutes or so, but as always, it's that time of the show. It's snacking. So Caroline, what is your German, Austrian, Swiss snack today? Oh, I knew you were going to pick on that up on that. And now I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. It's grey and miserable in London today. So I'm snacking on um, some homemade casserole. What about you? Not not your exotic self today. Well, I was just over in Paris over the weekend and uh, I had a bit too much fromage and, and wine. So I'm just having a, having a Diet Coke today. So, uh, oh, dear. God, well, we're failing miserably. That's I know. Our guest is better than we are. <laughs> Um, speaking of, let's get on with the show, and we are so delighted to welcome George Yutner to the show today. George started his career in finance, working for big corporates such as Societe Generale and JP Morgan. And after gaining valuable training, he decided to leave the comfort of a banking job and join Ritmo. Ritmo provides working capital support, financial support, to FBA, fulfilled by Amazon sellers. The business was launched only in January this year and has already loaned over 50 million euros to customers. We are very excited to explore this disruptive business model with George. So George, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Caroline and, and Brian. And just uh, following on the, on the snack, given, although I'm in, based in Switzerland, I always try to, to be close to my, my home country, Spain. So I just have my daily portion of croquetas before, before joining you. Way better than both of us. Better better than us. (laughs) So, George, tell us about your story. Where did it all begin and how did you end up where you are today? Let's go to the very beginning. I studied economics uh, back in Spain, in Madrid. It was quite vocational. I had an amazing teacher of economics in in high school and I decided to go for it. And then during my time at university, I I met some interesting people in finance. So I thought that could be a, a good fit for me. I started to put some efforts into into going into finance, and I landed a job at Sogen first. Uh, and after a year, I moved to J.P. Morgan, based in in Geneva, where I spent the last uh, five years. I had an experience in in London for about a year at the investment bank over there. wasn't a big fan of the city, I have to admit. So I I managed to secure a job back in Geneva. So I went back to to Switzerland, and then recently I joined Ritmo. I joined because one of the senior bankers at JP Morgan, he was one of the founders of the company. He's a good friend of mine. And the day that he told me he was resigning to launch this project, I thought it was quite fascinating. So I didn't really think it twice. I said, okay, let's let's give it a shot. It was a very, very early stage where they were. So this was in business was launched in January last year. And this was right after we got our bonus paid in JP. So end of January. I started my conversations with them around March and then joined right away in, in early April, where I've been since since then. I'm in charge of the partnership efforts, which at the end of the day is a sales channel. I try to build strategic alliances with partners around the world, particularly in Europe and Mexico, to try to develop or bring more business for us and try to enhance the value proposition of, of those partners. I'm quite curious. So you, when we spoke earlier this week, you said you were a happy banker in your earlier career. 
give us a little insight into some of the interesting deals that you maybe helped with or just generally how did banking set you up to now build a business of your own? I always say I was a happy banker because I, I, I really was. I mean, it's, it's fun to work at JP Morgan. You work with very, very smart people, all of them hungry and, and looking for, for more. They push you to your limits, uh, but in a cool way. So it's not environment full of sharks like many people would think of from the outside. It's actually fun. And, and I've built many, many cool relationships there. Um, in terms of, of the deals that I was exposed to, particularly when I was in Geneva, I was in charge or I was a, a private banker for Middle Eastern families. So I was in charge of managing the assets of uh, families in Saudi Arabia and Kuwait mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we speak about deals in this, in this environment, it's more about winning mandates of asset management um, after they usually have exits from their companies and so on and so forth. So things that I found quite fascinating that I work on and obviously for privacy purposes and through secrecy laws, I, I, there's only so many details I can share, but our, one of our clients would maybe do an IPO in Saudi Arabia. He will cash in 400, 500 million, and then he would give the mandate of managing those assets to one or two banks. Those are the kind of deals that I, I participated in. Mm-hmm. And it was quite exciting. It was quite exciting to see what our clients were actually doing in the region. And contrary to what many will believe are saying, okay, they are all rich because they have a lot of oil. That's not really the case. Many of them were rich because they contribute to developing the region from a, a emerging country into, I mean, if you've been to, I don't know, Doha, Dubai or, or Saudi, it's, it's not so much an emerging market anymore. It's, I mean, it, mm-hmm. they have a lot of infrastructure, technology and so on. And all those guys that contributed to develop that infrastructure, yeah, they made a lot of money in between. But what, what excited me here is these guys changed something in the environment that they were interacting with and that made them a lot of money. So they were business owners and they were contributing to the development of their environment. And that's what really, when I saw the opportunity to join Rhythm, I said, okay, I'm, instead of staying here, let's, let's give it a try and see how it looks like from the other side of the table to actually contribute to changing something or disrupting something or building something from scratch. And that's what, what I found quite appealing from the opportunity. Yeah, a real entrepreneur. As, as you know, you know, we are a law firm that, that acts for, for many entrepreneurial uh, businesses, often who are disrupting the market, which, which is similar to what, what you just mentioned. Could you please tell us a bit more detail about Ritmo? What, what, what is it doing and, and what are you disrupting? Uh, let's first focus on who do we serve. Mm-hmm. We serve online sellers. We serve guys who buy from their suppliers somewhere in the Southeast Asia or in, in Europe or whatever. They get their, their merchandise and then they sell their stock in different marketplaces call it C discount, on buy, Amazon, mm-hmm. um, AliExpress, you name it. So it's a kind of operation that is kind of tough to explain to a bank. It's kind of tough to explain to a bank that you're making 20 million in annual turnover without any tangible assets. These guys who are the basis of what retail is becoming, they are very poorly served by financial services. That's mm-hmm. the reality. The banks really struggle or financial institutions really struggle to understand the characteristics of these businesses and therefore the solutions that they can provide them with don't really adapt to the reality these guys face. What we're trying to do is through technology, our platform allows the Amazon sellers or multi-platform sellers to access capital in a seamless way in a matter of hours. So what a typical client journey would look like from our perspective, you will connect to our website 
he will connect via API his Amazon account, and then 24 hours later, he will have a financing offer on the, on, on the table. We provide unsecured lending, and, and you may think, whoa, you're crazy, you're lending money against nothing only by connecting the Amazon account. But the reality is that through technology, by connecting to that Amazon account, the amount of information that we get from the client is huge. It's mm. massive. And instead of analyzing data that is relevant to the bank, which is what banks do when, when looking at financing transactions, we really look at the data that is relevant to these guys. And that means the depth of your catalog, the geographical exposure, the reviews from your client, the length that it takes you to get provisions and to sell those uh, merchandise in the marketplace and to deliver them to your client, the quality or the satisfaction of those clients with those orders. So there is so much information in, in the Amazon account that having access to it, that information runs through an algorithm and allows us to be very competitive in offering a financing solution for them. That also allows you to monitor how the businesses are doing once they have taken your finance. Is there ever a moment where you, are you allowed to ask for your loan to be repaid if, if their business is not going the way you want it to? Yes and no. We won't typically work on long dated repayment uh, periods, but rather short. So the first innovative side or disrupting side of the of our underwriting process is, as I explained, the fact that we connect to their accounts and then we process the information and come back with an offer. Mm -hmm. The second innovative element, I believe, is the repayment form. We get repaid through a percentage of revenues or what is called revenue-based financing. This mm -hmm. has been in the U.S. around for some time and it's starting to grow in Europe a lot. So what it tries to achieve is provide flexibility to the client. So we stay connected to that account, the Amazon account, from the time that we've deployed the funds, and we keep a fixed percentage mm. of the weekly sales until we get fully repaid. This means yeah. um, the repayment period will adapt to the performance of the business. Mm -hmm. And that, going back to your question, Caroline, is if they are not performing as they expected, are you going to force them to repay earlier? The answer is no. And that's mm -hmm. the whole value proposition that we're, going, we're trying to put here. No? Let's say you are selling in the UK and you're looking to open a new channel and start selling in Europe as well. So you'll get mm -hmm. our capital, you buy all the inventory you need, you make all the investments that you need in order to get your operations in Europe up and running. And then as you start selling in Europe, you will share those sales with us until you fully repaid. Now, if your project doesn't turn out to be as successful as you expected, instead of repaying in, let's say, five, six, seven months, it may take you longer, but you will not have the pressure of, that you would have from a financial institution in terms of amortizing linearly and so on and so forth, or saying, mm -hmm. okay, your business is not performing and we are giving you the flexibility to extend the repayment according to the, or, or adapting to the pace of the performance of the business. That's fascinating. So but we, we should focus a little bit on M&A, uh, as is the name of the podcast. So tell us how Ritmo is already impacting the M&A sector. Our solution initially was focused on the sellers. But then one of the trends that we're seeing in the market more and more is that, is that sellers will be consolidated under the umbrella of aggregators. Mm -hmm. We should expect the future of retail to be dominated by these groups. So what today's Inditex or H&M the future is going to be aggregators to control many of the brands that we buy online. Mm -hmm. Now, we realize that if we are servicing e-commerce or sellers, we need to come up with a solution that serves these guys as well at the end of the day. You know? So what we've started to do is allowing them to unlock value from the sales of their existing stores to get money that they can use to acquire new stores. 
And also, it, it, it's interesting for them. No? At the end of the day, their return on equity increases massively if they lever up the position. So, I mean, that's pretty mm -hmm. obvious. So instead of using debt, which is not flexible or which requires them to pledge collateral and so on and so forth, what we would say is, okay, you've got 10 stores at the moment. You want to buy another two. So let's unlock value from the sales of your existing stores in the form of funding. So we bring forward a portion of the sales of those stores and you can use those funds to acquire new companies that you will then consolidate under your umbrella. So we are trying to provide them with the capital they need so that they can leverage their investments in a flexible manner, in short. To what extent are, are the FBA sellers encouraged to, to prep? So, you know, you talked about these, these aggregators. Do you help prep them for the, the sale of their business? You know, how, does, how does Ritmo get involved in, in that part of the M&A cycle? You mean with the sellers before they, they find an exit? Yes. Well, another point where we think we are contributing or disrupting kind of the, the, the CNS, we see that many of the sellers aren't quite professionalized yet. And that is allowing many aggregators to buy these stores, professionalize their operations, and then make a very, very decent return. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things we're trying to do is help the sellers get more professionalized. At the end of the day, if someone comes to you and gives you a couple million pounds for your business and you don't really realize the potential of your business because you are not able to solve the operational challenges that you face, then you'll think it's an amazing offer and you'll go with it. Now, if you are provided with the tools to become a more professionalized seller, eventually you may look for a sale or an exit instead of immediately a few months down the road or a couple of years down the road and look for a higher exit price. And that's also something we're trying, we're trying to do. Now, at the end of the day, many sell their businesses to the aggregators because they, they find it a good deal, but many sell it because they don't have the resources mm. to scale them by themselves. And mm. that's one of the things that we are also trying to do. We're trying to bridge that the deficit. No? If you've got the capital and the knowledge that our network of partners is willing to put on the table, then you may take your business to the next stage without the need of external capital that's diluting your ownership in the company. And you can maybe think of doing that a bit later at a more attractive valuation for you. Yeah, I know you've only been operating for you know six months or so. Have there been any success stories that you've seen or is it still a bit too early in terms of some, some sellers exiting for a higher multiple thanks to, to the loan that you've provided them? In terms of full exit, it's too early mm. for us to judge that. But sure. what we have seen for sure, and this is quite interesting, is clients saying, let's say you're raising funds and you're looking for, I don't know, half a million pounds and you're giving up 30% of the business. Many of the, much of the capital that you get uh, from that capital raise is going to be used for operational improvements. Mm -hmm. What we've seen is many clients who reduce the amount that they raise from private capital and reduce the ownership that they give up and they complement those funds with our funds in order to say, okay, you guys are going to bring to the table the operational expertise, but instead of 30%, I'm going to give you 15 because all the operational capital that I need, I'm getting from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that allows many of, the, of, the, of these guys to either postpone a capital raise or reduce the amount that they, that they uh, raise from, from external investors. And um, that we are seeing constantly, yes. In terms of a particular client who is postponing the exit because of our funds, 
we have seen that happening, but we haven't seen the exit yet. I mean, sure. at the end of the day, we've only been around for a little now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're going to have to come back in, exactly. uh, in a year's time and have <laughs> another chat. I'd like to ask you two important questions, which we generally tend to ask our speakers for some guidance for our uh, entrepreneurial clients, which is you've been in a big corporate and you're now part of a, um, a growing business, which is very much yours in terms of your your investment but also the sort of the responsibility you have to grow it so first question what advice would you give to anyone looking to jump from corporate to an entrepreneurial role what i would say is that make sure you understand your personal situation very well and your skills very well so i am super happy with the change Although I was a happy banker, I'm a very happy startup, uh, <laughs> and I don't know, how, whatever you want to call it. But I do recognize this is not for everyone. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have kids. I, have a, I, have a, I am in a situation where I can afford having a much lower salary, working twice as many hours, uh, <laughs> and don't having the visibility or the, 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 um, the certainty. the mm. certainty that I had when I was at JP Morgan, obviously. But I think it suits my personality better. I mean, what I'm doing now, it's super fun. It's super dynamic. It's super intense. But those are, that's something I feel very comfortable with. Targets are much more ambitious than they were at JP Morgan. And mm -hmm. deadlines are much shorter than they were at JP Morgan. So it's, it's certainly intense. But my advice is, if you know yourself and you believe it could be a good fit, then go for it because it's going to be worth it. But make sure you make a good analysis of your personal situation and your personal skills because otherwise it can be challenging and a huge disaster mm, very valuable last important question what advice would you give to any seller fba or otherwise on selling their business i would first tell them to get um, as much external advice as possible what i see is there's a, a huge asymmetry in information in the aggregator versus seller market these guys, they, they just start selling and then they realize they had a huge business in their hands and now they're giving it away for what they think is a good deal. But to mm. be fair, you're negotiated with, negotiating with ex-investment bankers who know how to value companies much better. So yeah. my advice would be really think if you can, uh, with outside help, take it to the next level before finding the ex exit. And if you think the exit is the best alternative for you, make sure you get external advice on how to execute that exit because you may be leaving some money on the table if you don't. Good advice. advice. Yes. <laughs> Snap. So, <laughs> so th thank you, George. Um, it has been a real pleasure having you on the show. But before we end, there is just enough time for our rapid fire round. So, George, 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can in that time. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. You didn't tell me about this. Eh? Well, <laughs> let's go. we're full of surprises. On your mark, get set. Where did you go to school? Madrid. What's your favorite food? Croquetas. If you were having a dinner party and could invite three guests, alive, dead or fictional, who would they be and why? Oof. Napoleon, for sure. I'd love to meet him. And Queen Elizabeth, because she's made more uh, world leaders in the history ever. Mm. And she's got probably good things to, to tell. And then my best friend, who is my, my partner in crime whenever we, do, we go out. So I think the four of us could be a, a good, good team. Party. Yeah, sounds like a good party. Mm. Um, Apple or Android? Uh, uh, Apple, for sure. 100%. Everything. 
strangest <laughs> place you have visited? I think probably the border between Ethiopia and Kenya, uh, where I slept in the ground for like three nights and ate a, a goat that we killed ourselves, literally. It's <laughs> okay, uh, the weirdest definitely answer. Definitely <laughs> to come back to the podcast. <laughs> um, I'm lost for words now. What's your favorite <laughs> movie? Um, American Gangster. And finally, asking an ex-investment banker, if you're down to your last $10, where would you invest it? In Ridmo, for sure. <laughs> 100%. George, thank you so much for your time and participating in MBM's M&A Snack and Chat podcast. It so, was, was fun. So that's it for today. Thank you for joining us in our chat with George Junta, Head of Partnerships at Ritmo. Please join us next time when Caroline and I will be joined by another special guest where we will chat and snack all things M&A. Goodbye all. Bye. Thank you. Bye.